0: Hey, we're back. Uh, Ed Stetzer Live. My name is Ed Stetzer. I am the incoming Dean of the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. But for today, and I think, let me see if I got the dates right. I think this is my last day that I'll actually, yeah, there's no 31st day of June. so, uh, So actually July 1, I begin the role there at the Talbot School of Theology. But today, I'm broadcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, where I serve as the executive director of this Week College of Blake Graham Center, a studio in a basement. I'm going to miss you, studio in the basement, though they are—they have lent it to me for a few weeks during uh, the transition when I'm back and forth and moving. But I am so glad you're here. I'm glad you're here each and every Saturday at this time, depending on what time zone you listen to. We know the folks over in K-Wave in California, you're listening at 9 a.m., and then we go all the way up to Boston, and we know you're listening at 1 p.m. We're down in Florida, you're listening at no, 1 p.m. at 12 noon. And, of course, so many of you listen, and I encourage you as well, to subscribe via podcast, because there's not always, you know, Saturday morning or early afternoon radio is not when everyone's available. So if you go to edstetzerlive.com, that's edstetzerlive.com, you can subscribe to this as a podcast and never miss a single episode. Now, one of the things I, I told you recently that I was doing on the program, for those of you regular listeners, is I was getting to know some of my new colleagues at the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, where I'm moving. We're actually uh, just scheduled the movers, we'll be out there in just a couple of weeks. But, um, but, you know, one of the ways you don't know, you know when you're just starting, we have seventy one faculty administrators, so I got lots of people I gotta meet, but I got this radio show, and some of them have written books recently, and so it's like a wonderful opportunity and and kind of probably you know probably cheating a little bit, just fast forwarding my knowledge of what they've written and what they've said, and so that's what we're gonna do today. but I want to start by just acknowledging and mentioning that uh that if you're listening live, the tumult in uh, Russia has just uh, we were already aware of Russia's uh, invasion and war in Ukraine, the significant and stunning loss of life there as well. By the way, the Talbot School of Theology actually has an extension center and a partner in Kiev. And so we've learned and heard about some of these things through our partners there. But this morning, if you're listening live, uh, on the front page of most of the news sites is declarations of uh, of, of uh, rebellions, uh, some using the word civil war, Some all, all kinds of things going on. And And these are uh, remarkably dangerous times. And so this morning I took some time to pray and I wanna invite you to as well, because as Christians, uh, we are just fundamentally of the view that people losing their lives, and we recognize people sacrifice their lives, we recognize that there's just realities that certain people will will step into and there'll be great sacrifice, even a loss of life. But with the loss of life points us to the fact that Christians believe that it really does matter that the Imago day we're made in the image of God worthy of dignity and respect really matters, and that includes Ukrainians who have in unjustly lost their lives in this in this tragic war. Uh, that includes more people even today uh, throughout russia and and more. so So we recognize there's complexities in that. We're not having a full conversation on what we might call just war theory. But this just brings us to mind. So I just want, I I don't normally do this, but I've just been burdened for this because this could escalate very quickly. It's already impacted so many lives in Ukraine, but a situation like this can escalate very quickly. So I want you to pray with me. Father, I pray that you would, even now, that you would be at work, and we know you are, Lord, but we pray that you would intervene, that you would uh, change hearts and minds, or you bring about a just resolution of this unjust war. And in Ukraine and that you would bring about a, uh, a moment of change that we don't know quite what this moment represents this Saturday morning or early afternoon when we're just waking up sometimes to this news. But Lord, we know these are, these are dangerous times, but these are not surprising times to you. So Father, we pray that your hand and your presence would be seen clearly and evidently and you would ultimately, Lord, you would work in this to bring peace so the continued spread of your gospel might be evident, so the people might be safe and safer than they are now. Lord, it's in Jesus' name, that we pray, Amen, and Amen. I don't, I don't think I. Gosh, I can't remember. I don't do that too much, but this has just been all over the news, and so maybe you've seen it as well. But it also does tie into some of our of our topic today. I told you just a minute ago. that I'm bringing on some of the uh, faculty at the Talbot School of Theology. Just wonderful that I get to know them this way. And uh, one of them, she, Carmen was actually. I'm going to introduce Carmen in just a moment. But Carmen was actually on the search committee that 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 invited me to come to. Uh, to come to Talbot, so we got to know each other a little bit there. But Carmen Joy Imes is an associate professor of Old Testament at the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. She's best known for her books "Bearing God's Name," "Why Sinai Still Matters," and "Being God's Image: Why Creation Still Matters." Before arriving at Biola, she served as a professor of Old Testament at Prairie College in Alberta, Canada. My wife, by the way, is on her way to Canada this very moment. So we are—my my family are all Canadians. Her academic. Um, Journey began when Carmen and her husband served as missionaries in the Philippines with SIM International, reaching out to different ethnic groups there as well. Carmen, I am so excited to be joining the team there at Talbot. Always been a fan. Thanks for coming on Ed Stutzer Live today and joining us on the program.
1: Absolutely. It is especially fun that you are sitting in the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College, which is the very building where I defended my doctoral dissertation. So it feels sort of full circle-ish.
0: That is true. That is true. That's right. You you went to school here as well, and uh, I did. And and you and you uh, did what? You know, only only professors ask each other this. What was the title of your dissertation?
1: Uh, Bearing Yahweh's name at Sinai: A reexamination of the name command of the Decalogue.
0: Oh, you must be fun at parties is what I would say as well we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> we're going talk about exactly. those things and more that was your your, your first thing bearing god's name, uh, but your newest yes. is of course bearing god's image and and uh and you know and and this is this is a time when we're in the midst of a big, very big cultural division in the west in America um where mm-hmm. sometimes we hear how people speak of others in very dismissive and derogatory and demeaning ways. And sometimes even Christians do that. Yes. And and uh, I, I, I serve at the National Association of Evangelicals, and we actually put out a thing just reminding everybody that you know people we disagree with are made in the image of God, and that makes them worthy mm-hmm. of dignity and respect. So what does it mean that every human being is in the image of God? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. I think the Bible is absolutely clear that all humans are God's image. I talk about this a little bit differently than uh, the average theologian out there. I don't like to say that we're made in God's image. I prefer to translate that verse that we are uh, we're made as God's image. That is, the image of God is our human identity. It's not something that we're carrying that's extrinsic to us that we could set down or lose, but that it's internal, intrinsic to our humanity. That we are God's image. And I think that's so important because it does form the basis for how we treat other human beings. And it, it also gives us a sense of our core identity is given to us by God. It's something outside. It comes from outside of ourselves. It's not something that we determine, which in our day and age is such a radical notion.
0: Yeah, and it's, and this is a key theme in the book is that. By the way, the, the book it, we're going to actually share some copies of the book to brilliant, insightful callers. It's not just call and give me a book, but brilliant and insightful callers, which you are when you call. But we're going to we're going to share a few copies mm-hmm. of that as well. But a key theme in the book is uh, is the idea that that every human being is the image of God. Now, again, I, I that's that's not language I've historically used, and you are in some mm-hmm. ways pushing back. Not pushing back, too strong word, but you are clarifying. Uh, the language, mm-hmm. because again, I mean, I know yes. ten times in this show I'm going to say "made in the image of God," worthy of dignity and respect. So I'll go there. You're that's, also I mean, going to say that's, you're, al- yeah.
1: you're you're also going to say bearing God's image, which you said earlier, and I the, and the book is being God's image, right? Yeah, because I I again don't believe that we can set it down. We're, we don't carry God's image and then we could set it down and walk away and and it's not part of who we are.
0: Not like bearing like we have a shield. I mean, it's just, it's just we are. Right. Every human being is the image yes. of God. So what does that mean that That's I right. am or every human being is? Uh, you've mentioned a little more, but unpack that a little bit more for us. How is every being, every yeah. human being is the image of God?
1: I think we get a clue for how we're supposed to understand this. Um, in chapter five of Genesis. So the, the phrase image of God only occurs three times in or th- in three passages of the Old Testament, Chapter Genesis chapters one, five, and nine. In chapter five, we have an interesting kind of analogy given to us where it talks about how Adam has a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he names him Seth. And I think here we're supposed to understand that Seth is Adam's image the way we are God's image. That is to say, to be the image of God means that we're part of God's family. We're kin. And so there's a sense of kinship, a sense of connection, interdependency with God uh, that is intrinsic to who we are as human beings.
0: Yeah, and you pack a lot of more of this in the book as well. But I want to invite our callers into the conversation as well. And because I think we're gonna right. talk about what this means. Um for example, I like to talk about how the image of god what's how is that impacted, for example, by the fall I mean and you're writing a lot in that creation mm. narrative mm-hmm. that that's I mean the title of the mm-hmm. book is being God's image I think I did say a bearing god's image it's being god 's image why <laughs> create you probably noticed so why you know, why creation still matters and and so i want I want to unpack some of what that looks like, but I also want to give some of our callers an opportunity to uh, to join in the conversation as well, so our number is eight seven seven. Five four eight three six seven five. 548 3675 There's all kinds of things we can talk about in the narrative of creation and more. We're going to focus on uh, the being God's image, why creation still matters, how that relates to our understanding of one another, 877-548-3675. Again, it's 877-548-3675. Join me and let's talk with Carmen in just a moment. Paperback, hey, Ed Stetzer Live and having a conversation with uh with Carmen Joy Imes about her new book and really about the theme, about what it means uh that we are in God's image. The title of her book is Being God's Image, Why Creation Still Matters. Uh Carmen Joy Imes is a professor at the Talbot School of Theology. And in about how many days away from we? Six, seven days, we'll be actual colleagues. Uh, right now, we're friends because we've known each other. I'm at Wheaton. She went to school at Wheaton and more. And so, and you know, Carmen, your book is really caught a lot of people's interest. It's interesting, too. Like, I will tell you, just having been a radio host for a while now, I mean, we got a bunch of phone calls coming in already, which is kind of unusual Hmm. early in a program about like a a biblical theme like this. If we're talking about, Hmm. uh, if I talk about Islam, for example, the phone lines always light up. But to talk about something, I think Mm -hmm. people have questions, and I think this is Hmm. going to be a good conversation. And it's important to note that Carmen's also making a little bit of a different case in the book uh, than... Uh, again, not not far from what even the language that I use that were created and made in the image of God, worthy of dignity mm-hmm. and respect. But just before the break, I, I was talking a little bit about how, um, you know, when we sin and uh, you know we look we look back to the Genesis narrative, Adam Eve sinned. Uh, now there's this stain of sin, this brokenness of relationship, and you know now today people still sin, and there's a brokenness of relationship. Mm-hmm. So is that image diminished? Is it is it uh, devalued? Is it because, because we could see some people who are really, I don't know the right words to use, really moved away from any proper expression of mm-hmm. the image of God uh, in ways that, are, that, are, that might be immoral, might be, I mean, evil mm-hmm. and sinful. I mean, we just talked earlier about war. So are these people doing yeah. terrible things? And, and all the way back to the beginning, how is the image of God related to when we disobey?
1: I would argue that because the image of God is our human identity, that we cannot lose it and it cannot be diminished. What happens when we see sin and we see brokenness in our world is that people are not living in alignment with their true identity as the image of God. So I would argue that at any moment, someone who's living rebelliously could turn and repent and be reconciled to God and could live then in a sense of congruency with who God made them to be as his image. So I don't think that that the image can be lost. And I think that's clear from Genesis chapter 9, the third passage in the Bible that mentions the image of God. It's after the fall. It's after the flood. And yet God is still basing uh, human ethics in the image of God. He's saying, you can't kill each other. I'm going to hold you accountable for killing other people for taking human life because humankind is made as my image, and yeah, so Genesis, it's because that Genesis is 9, still intact.
0: Right. So, go ahead and quote yes. Genesis nine six though, so people know the fullness of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let me let me turn there. Well, a I've moment. got it right here in front um, of me. I know that, you don't
0: have the entire Old Testament memorized. It says, "Whoever sheds the, the blood of man by man, his blood will be <laughs> shed. For in his own image God has made mankind." I think that's the ESV. I have yep. to have it open there. Yep. Okay, so so then the image is not lost even on both
1: sides of that equation right right i think there is definitely something lost there's a relational connection that's lost with god when we're walking in sin and so i think i think it's important to recognize that sin is terrible and then it it creates terrible consequences but those consequences do not include a loss of the image what they what i would i would describe it as the loss of glory that is meant to be exhibited or the the glory or honor that comes with living in alignment with who God made us to be. So there's a there's a definite brokenness in relationship, but the identity is still intact.
0: Interesting and really important because the idea of this identity that we're made in, in the image of God that we're made that we we're, we're being God's image to use the language you use in the book um, really yeah. it impacts our view of war it impacts our view of yeah. race and it impacts our view of of uh, euthanasia it impacts our view of abortion it it I mean this is such an under discussed topic particularly in Protestantism I think our Catholic friends sometimes mm-hmm. dig a little deeper into some of these ideas but. Yeah. But but in evangelicalism, and I think that's why people have responded well uh, to your to your book. Well, let's let's go ahead and um, let's go and take some phone calls and jump in to the conversation. We're going to go to Tom in Chattanooga, a listen on WMBW. Tom, you're live on the air with your question, your comment. Go ahead. Thank you very much.
2: You have such good
0: guests and you're a good host, too. Thanks, Tom. Um, Tom, and Tom. And by the Tom, I think I recognize your voice and your name and your location because Tom is a the only actually Tom. I think if if you are if you are if you, if you called in the past, you're the only person I remember who actually calls regularly. So if it's you, welcome back to the show. We're glad to have you. I, I, it, it might be me. You've 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 taken
2: my questions two or three times before. Great. Uh, so, so thank you. Okay, let's jump in. Okay, uh, the, the question I have is: um, I've been going for about three or four years to a Presbyterian church, a a PCA church. And I've noticed that uh, language he generally used is that Christ is the image of God. kind of like it talks about, I think, in Colossians 1 or something. But then they always Mm -hmm. seem to refer to us as being made in the image of God. And I've kind of heard that through the years a lot and always wondered about is there a difference? And I always took it to mean we're... We have the image of God. It's kind of, we're like have the image of Christ to some le- a lesser degree. That he's more in the image of God mm. than we are, or not damaged mm. by the mm. fall. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. curious. I'm curious. that's my question is, is, is there really a difference in using the term? The in,
0: you are the image you're made in the image. You have come to the right place yeah. that is the central yes. thesis of of Carmen's book. <laughs> so again the book we're going to give you a copy Tom we're going to give you a copy that's of the book it's being awful. God's image why creation still matters as well. So Carmen let's, let's respond Tom what do you got?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question Tom. So many people talk about and even theologians that I respect talk about Christ being the image of God in its full sense and the rest of us are not quite there yet. Um, and so I I want to push back against that idea and say that the reason the New Testament says that Jesus is the image of God is not because we are not, but it's a way of affirming Jesus' essential humanity. Sometimes we think of Jesus as the image of God. Well, of course, he's the image of God, he's God. But Jesus' status as God's image is not a feature of his deity, it's a feature of his humanity. God doesn't need to image himself, God is God. And what an image does is represents the, it's a physical representation or manifestation of the presence of the deity. So when God makes humans as his image in Genesis, it's the equivalent of someone making an idol or statue of a God to put in a temple to, to signify that that God's reign over the earth. And so when He's God says, I'm I i do not want you to make idols. Because I've made you as my image, you are my representation, my representatives in the world. And so when Jesus takes on human flesh, he physically represents the presence of God just like we do. Now, obviously, there's a difference in kind between us and Jesus. Jesus is living fully in alignment with his identity as God's image. And therefore, we can look to him to see what it ought to look like for us to live that way. Uh, for us to lean into our human identity. We're, We're conformed to Christ, and the New Testament talks about being conformed to Christ and conformed to his glory. So it's that glory that becomes restored as we begin to follow Christ's example of living in alignment with who we really are, who God's made us to be.
0: Oh, Tom! a super question and Carmen super response as well. So, Tom, we're gonna have our producer come on in just a second, and you just hold on. We'll give you a copy. We'll give you a copy of the book. Um, again, there's huge ramifications. Our, our mutual colleague, the dean of the faculty there at uh, at Talbot School of Theology, is Scott Ray. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he talks about these areas around human ethics and more. But there are huge mm-hmm. ramifications around this how we how we treat others. And I I think of a, yeah. a world where human life, the value of human life, has been devalued in our time in, in some new ways, but yep. has always been places yep. where Christians have actually often been the ones advocating for this right view. So what are the what what is the yeah. what is the ramifications for ethics?
1: Yeah, I, you know, Ed, I when I set out to write this book, I just wanted to see what does the Bible mean when it calls us the image of God? What what is that saying? And I spent a lot of time kind of unpacking and um and even kind of peeling back the layers of tradition around the image of God, because for so long, theologians have talked about the image of God as a human capacity, like they've rooted it in some human capacity, such as our intellect or our will or our moral sensibilities. And and they've tied it to something intangible like this and And then we end up with kind of a sliding scale. If you say the image of God is human rationality, then you have humans who are more or less rational than each other. And so you have do you have people who are more or less the image of God? that that seems problematic. And so i was I was coming back to the scripture to, to say, what does Genesis actually mean when it says image? And I became convinced that it's something physical. We are physically the image of God. That's our human identity that can't be separated from us. So we can't tie it to one particular capacity. We have lots of capacities that make us different from animals, but those aren't the things that God is pointing to when he calls us his image. And one reason this is so important is the way it works out in ethics. So if every human being is the image of God and has equal dignity, then someone who is physically or mentally disabled in some way is every bit the image of God as someone who's fully able-bodied and and you know rational thinking whatever um, and and I didn't set out to write a book on disability for example but that is one of the key takeaways that I had while working on this project. You mentioned Scott Ray. He he is somebody who's really concerned about the issue of abortion. I didn't set out to write a book about abortion, but once I had clarified for myself that the image of God is not a capacity, but it's our physicality, then at what point does someone become the image of God? I would say it's as soon it's the moment when the egg and the sperm join together, and a human being is formed. We're not waiting for a heartbeat or waiting for a, a brainwave or waiting for someone who's able to make a rational choice because we're not tying image of God to those things anymore. I think the Bible ties it to our physicality, and that means unborn children matter. They are the image of God. It's, it's so profound.
0: Yeah, and and it's, it's it speaks to so many areas. I want to unpack some of this well, but I want to come back to a question that I had earlier. I think Anthony can articulate for us as well. Anthony in West Chicago, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Go right ahead. Up oh, and Anthony just left, so no. Worries. Okay, so so what? What Anthony's question on the screen was was related to. All right, I mean, the, the, if we continue to do things that are evil and evil and evil, and it gets warped and mm-hmm. twisted. Are you mm. saying that we never lose the fact that we are bearing God's image or being God's image? We never we never lose yeah. that? There's no – Adolf Hitler is still made in the image of God?
1: Adolf Hitler is still the image of God. He is li- he's living in complete dis- disregard mm-hmm. of the fact that he is the image and that other people are the image. He's living a lie. Um, but there's nothing he can do to change the essential, uh, the, the true identity that he has that's under all those layers of lies. His true identity is someone made as God's image, intended to reflect God's glory to the world and to be God's representative. And so, he, so at any moment in time, Adolf Hitler could have repented of his sin. He could have recognized, oh, I am I'm living a lie. I have put myself in the position of deciding who is worth saving, who who's who's qualified to take breath and live a, a full fledged life. I've made that decision, but that wasn't my decision to make. God is the one who makes that decision. So he could have repented. He could have, you know, walked back from the ledge of the cliff he was on and at any point and recognized his true self. And mm-hmm. and that's where I think it's important to recognize that we can't lose it. It's the, it's like a we already talked about how kinship is a is a is a good analogy for the image of God. If you give birth to a child or you father a child, there's nothing you can do to ungive birth to them or to unfather them, right? I my children will always be my children, like it or not. They can rebel against me. We could have a breach in our relationship where there's no communication, but there's nothing we can do to erase the fact that I'm their parent and they're my child, that they were birthed from me. And and Adolf Hitler was birthed from God, if you will. And there was nothing he could do to to undo that, even though he dedicated his life to a lie.
0: Mm, okay. Okay. Um- one, one quick question. Uh, we, we, we want to come back and have a conversation a little bit about what it means to be. I keep saying made in the image of God and you keep responding and not correcting me, but you just say being God's image. I like that. you just you just you you got this theme. I like you. I want to come back to that. But I want to also talk about what that means about being a child of God as well. We'll unpack all of that in just a minute with your calls. Again, our number is eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. again, it's eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. We're back at are Live, and we're talking about uh, Being God's Image, Why Creation Still Matters, this new book by Carmen Joy Imes as well. Uh, we've given away um, a couple of copies. Well, I think one copy so far. We're going to give away a few other copies as well. Um, you know, it's interesting because so much here has to do with what it means to... Uh, being, bearing, well, bearing God's name, being God's image. I'm trying to remember, being, 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 being God's image, uh, but being made in the image of God. If you'll forgive me for using the language that I learned, um, so if you're I if forgive being made, you. thank you, <laughs> I appreciate that. But you know, I think you're going to change, you're going to change everybody's mind because you, this book is that good. So, uh, and it's not even really changing everybody's mind; it's helping to clarify with specificity. Yeah. But one of the questions people often have to me is they, uh, and I just, I just taught on this. I was down at Northland Church in Orlando, and I was talking about what it means to be uh, made in the image of God, as I would say it. And But also what it means to be a child of God, you know, to as many as received him, Mm -hmm. but then he gave the right to become children of God. Mm
2: -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh,
0: theologically, we would generally say that uh, as evangelical Christians, that children of God are those who have been born again into a new life in Christ. Mm -hmm. They were spiritually Mm -hmm. dead in their trespasses and sins, now God's children. And there's a distinction between what it means to, uh, you know, being God's image, being made an image of God Mm -hmm. and being a child of God. Can you unpack that just a bit? And then we're going to go to some calls.
1: Yeah, I think um, I recognize the same thing that you're seeing, Ed, in the New Testament, that God talks about adopting us as his sons. Um, And I think what's going on with that is that we have the New Testament is using a metaphor. The Old Testament's using metaphors. They don't all have to uh, coexist at the same time. Uh, They're different conversations. So I still would say every human being is the image of God, and that implies that we're God's family. But the New Testament can still come along and say when God brings you into right relationship with Himself, there is a sense of adoption. It's like adoption. It's like it's like taking on a new identity. Um, I I I would say it's our core identity to be in that kind of relationship with God. But some of us have been so estranged from God that a new, fresh work of God is needed to activate that relationship. And so we could we could call that adoption. We might also say that God is clear in the Old Testament about Israel being his firstborn son, Exodus 4.22. uh, God announces to Moses, Israel is my firstborn son. And I think there's a sense in which when the New Testament talks about adoption to sonship, that it's saying, okay, you Gentiles, you who are not Jewish are now being brought into this family, this covenant family where you haven't had a place before.
0: And important just just to understand the distinction too, but also of course the main focus of your book is is, is specifically on again coming back to that theme of being God's image. Um, and, and again, yeah. I, I was I, I used to work in Nashville. I, I was for nine years. I was a vice president of a company called Lifeway before I came here to Wheaton, and we had this downtown building, and right over down down the street from us, this pornography shop had set up. Uh, just you know just happened yeah. to be at the corner where we'd all drive to get on the Interstate. Now now again, if you're driving with your kids in the car, don't don't worry here we'll we're gonna carefully talk around this. But um somebody took a billboard out, which I thought was was great. And the billboard was kind of because uh, it was right around the interstate, you know, the name of the store, you'd probably know the name of the store, it's a mm-hmm. you know, famous pornographic magazine. And then the billboard said, with a picture of a, a young lady, and it just said, she's somebody's daughter. And I thought that was um, – mm-hmm. and I was – you know, I thought mm-hmm. that was good. I think that reminded people. But I also wanted to sort of paint on the sign that she's made in the image of God. And, and yes. that – one of the implications and ramifications of this doctrine even addresses issues of, of sexuality, uh, pornography, mm-hmm. and more. Keeping yeah. in mind that, you know, folks are driving with their kids in the car. Talk to us a little bit about why that matters and how that, how that relates.
1: Yeah, I think we live in a time in which the fulfillment of our own desires has been put out there as the highest value and the highest human right, that if I want something, I should be able to have it right now, and, and pornography plays into that lie that your the fulfillment of your desires in a selfish way is part of your self-actualization. And it, it not only centers yourself and your desires, but it also dehumanizes other, other human beings. And so I absolutely agree. The billboard should say she is the image of God. And I, I think if we, if we truly saw every human being as the image of God, we would not be able to engage in pornography. We, we would not be able. It would, it would be sickening to us to see humans devalued and um and and to play into this self actualization scheme that is so devoid of actual relationship god designed us for embodied relationships in you know committed marriages and when we seek fulfillment outside of that it can only end in in destruction and disarray mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yeah, the phrase I really liked. You said centers yourself and devalues others. I mean, that's we haven't I even mean, talked about slavery, yeah. but the idea of this this doctrine becomes such a shaping reality in the Christian world, that, and and really yeah. an unheard of idea. Of course, it's rooted in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old yeah. Testament, but this unheard of idea that people, uh, you know, made in God's image, worthy of dignity and respect. You can't own somebody mm-hmm. if that's who they are, if that's if that's what right. they are. And so, so many uh, ramifications yeah. as well. Talk to us a little bit about that, both biblically and historically of how that plays out, because you do address that some.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, other people do not exist to make me happy mm-hmm. or to to fulfill my desires or my dreams. Other people are there to represent God's presence, and we all are to represent God's presence. We haven't really talked about the rulership aspect of the image of God. I would I would say that every human being is God's image. That's our identity. And the implication of that is that we're given a job to do in this world. It it implies our vocation, which is to rule creation on God's behalf. That's really clear in Genesis 1, that men and women are made as God's image in order to rule over creation. And it's fascinating to me that Genesis 1 does not talk about ruling over other humans, but only over the rest of creation. We are supposed to be partnered together, honoring one another in the process of ruling over the created world, not dominating each other. Um, And pornography is just one way that domination and exploitation occur, but there are so many other ways
0: Hmm. that
1: that that gets expressed.
0: Yeah, literally. I mean, you literally like I just opened up a, a, the news just to see where things are in this war, and it's just you know panic around the world. And this is this is not how God desires it to be. And so we pray, Thy kingdom right. come, Thy will be done. People shouldn't be. Uh, shouldn't be devalued, shouldn't lose their lives, shouldn't lose right. their freedom and safety and, and, and more. Oh and let's 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 take some phone calls as well because we want to make sure we've got some we've right. always got some good callers here. We're gonna go to Dan, who's just down the road for me in West Chicago. Dan, you're live on the air. Go ahead with your question and I'll your comment. You-
2: yes, how are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm right down, actually up on College Avenue. Yeah. Um, quick, quick, quick question. I'm looking to answer this is an I'm looking at how to answer a friend of mine who is ask, uh, has asked about our spiritual condition of our human heart. He says that since we're born in the image of God, uh, like in the image of Adam, and Adam had a good or, in the worst case, neutral heart, that we are not born in sin. Hmm. And I would love to know how he would look to answer it.
0: Yeah, I want you. To, we're gonna have, yeah. have we're gonna we'll have Carmen weigh in, but I want you to also hold on because our producer is going to give you a copy uh, of her book as well, um, and we'll give Dan's answer oh, to it. it's being God's Thank image. Why creation still matters as well. So, so what do you think? Let's let's weigh in a little bit on Dan's question.
1: Yeah, I think maybe what Dan's friend is is trying to express. Sometimes people talk about the human condition in such negative ways. It's like all they've read of Genesis is chapter three. And all they've seen is the bleakness of human sin and depravity. And they begin at that point. And they say, you know, we're hopelessly lost and we need a savior, which is true. We are hopelessly lost and we need a savior. Um, I would say that we do, we are born in sin, but I would say that that sin is not consistent with, with God's design or God's intention in Genesis 1 and 2. And so I would say to your friend, um, like, Let's, let's be able to hold on to the, the biblical notion that humans are people of dignity and worth because God made us as his image, but also that we are in a state of depravity that needs radical saving. And I think both can be true. Um, some corners of the church emphasize human dignity and worth Till the you know all the live long day and never talk about sin, and others seem like all they want to talk about is sin, and they and they're beating people down with how awful they are, and don't ever give them a sense of but you were you were made for more than this, you are more than this, like your true identity. Sin is not is not your true identity to live out of. So I would want to hold those two things together. Um, that my I I would respond I guess in a, in a way that tries to hold those together.
0: Yeah, yeah, good. Good and helpful. Okay, we're going to have one more segment with Carmen Joy Imes. Her new book is Being God's Image, Why Creation Still Matters. If you got a question, comment, this is your last chance. 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. We'll come back, we're going to jump right to the calls. We've got some good conversations we're going to continue to have and continue our conversation, ultimately learning more about what it means to be God's image, why creation still matters. Stay with us for one final segment. Hey, we're back. One final segment with Carmen Joy Imes. And Carmen is a a professor at the Talbot School of Theology, my new place of service in seven days. Excited about working with her. And we're talking about her book, uh, Being God's Image, Why Creation Still Matters. So we're going to take some calls, but I need to ask you to be kind of pretty quick on the asking of the questions so we can get in a few questions. And if you're quick, I'll give you a copy of her book as well. So there's that as well. So so again, we'll keep it to maybe one short jump in and we'll kind of go from there. Let's go to Lois in Bradenton, Florida. Lois, you're live on the air. Go ahead.
2: Yes, sir. Very respectfully, how would this conversation relate relate to a person in hell? Great question. Uh, as a person who is yeah, that's it. Okay,
0: yeah. good. Let's just, hold, hold, mm-hmm. hold on. We're going to give you a copy of the book as well. I mean Eternal Eternal Realities here. Carmen, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say that um after, so if a person is in hell, that means they have died and so their time of of physically representing the presence of God on earth has come to a close and they missed out on the opportunity to be reconciled to God. And so they're, they they were made the image of God but they failed to lean into that. They failed to recognize God as their creator and as the one who calls the shots. And so that it's like, there's an expiration date at death. If, Mm -hmm. if you haven't reconciled with God, if you, if you're not leaning into that, then your chance is over.
0: Okay, Lois, uh, that was a super question. I think you were a little, like you said, I'm going to be blunt, whatever, but that was great. That was a good question. I think it's a question people are yeah, asking. Yeah, it's a but, good and question. I, and, I, and I love the brevity as well. Michael, let's see if you can do the same. Michael in Dayton, Ohio, you're live on the air with your question. Go ahead.
3: How uh, a correct understanding of these scriptures uh, bears on the current uh, gender dysphoria issue today.
0: Great question. Michael, Mm -hmm. hold on the line. We're going to give you a copy of the book as well. And the book is Being God's Image, Why Creation Still Matters. I mean, Carmen, a lot of us when talking about these questions today do point back to being made in the image of God, male and female. He created them. Mm -hmm. Is that something you address in the book? And then if you didn't address in the book, we want you to talk a little bit about it on the radio.
1: Yeah, it was. I I address sexuality a bit and gender a bit in the book, but I, I didn't fully appreciate how much this conversation impacts the current discussion until I was done writing it. And so I would say that we live in an age where a lot of people are are feeling that their true self is the intangible part of themselves inside where they feel a certain way and that their body is not their true identity, but their body is just a shell to be discarded or it's something kind of in the way or it's a canvas that can be modified to express who they really are. And so I would say that this this doctrine of the Imago Dei actually has a tremendous amount of um, guidance for us in this conversation in that it tells us that our bodies do matter, that our bodies are God-given, and they're an essential part of our human identity. They're not to be discarded. I believe the Bible speaks about not just Christ's resurrection, bodily resurrection, but that as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ is the first fruits of resurrection. We're all going to be raised bodily to new creation life. And so I don't think that we can just imagine our bodies away or or imagine that they're not a central part of of who we are. And so I think that's a factor in this question about gender mm-hmm. dysphoria. Of course, this is an issue that, is, um, that it comes with a lot of angst for a lot of people. There are a lot of people in our world today who experience gender dysphoria and who feel a sense of discontent with the body that they have, feel like it doesn't express who they truly are. And so I want to s- say what I've said with a great deal of compassion and I want to encourage people to lean into that reality that your body is not a mistake and you are not a mistake. And the wrestling that you feel between your body and your soul is something that God wants to walk with you through mm-hmm. and, and meet you in that struggle, um, not, not just wave a magic wand and make it go away.
0: Yeah, no, good. And a good uh, both biblical and pastoral response in, in a short amount of time, and I appreciate you doing that. Michael, that was a super question. I think we can try to get one yes. more call in, uh, but again, we got to keep hey. it brief. We're going to go to Pastor James Dye in Fort Lauderdale. You're live on the air, Pastor. Go ahead. We're not hearing you, so I'll we'll give you one more second. Okay, go right ahead, Pastor. We just got a minute left, so jump right in with your question, please.
3: Yes, I pretty didn't have much. Have a question? I kind of like have what I would call a pushback because it. I oftentimes when I hear people talk about the Imago Dei uh, found in Genesis one about how God created Adam and even his own image and his likeness uh, after the fall in Genesis three, I think a lot of times we forget about Genesis five that talks about mm-hmm. due to the fall and it calls about the generation of Adam. It says. After God made them in His likeness, Adam and Eve begin to make children in their likeness, and I believe that's the fallen state. Also found in Jeremiah 18, the clay talking about Israel was marred in the potter's hand, and he can make it over again. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. that that is the total depravity of man. That although God made us in uh, Adam and Eve in His in His likeness that was the that was the uh state before the fallen state and that's why we all mm-hmm. need to be made in the image of jesus christ romans eight twenty nine
0: so we're saying then pastor if i understand you that when we're born again we're made in the image but then the fallen state until that point is kind of the is that kind of the pushback quickly is that what you're saying
3: that's so what I'm saying because i understand right. the identity of what God created yep. but the reality of the fall of sin has it has marred and depraved us, and yep. that's why the Bible says in Romans eight twenty nine that right. God. will I gotta wants get. To, I gotta run out of time. To be- I'm
0: gonna run out of time if I don't get Carmen to answer. I think that's a well articulated question, and I yeah. and super, and I love it. So hold on, we're gonna give you a copy of the book, but yeah. let's get Carmen to answer that because we only got Carmen. We've got about a minute and a half left. So weigh in on that.
1: Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Pastor James, thank you for your your comment there. Lots of people agree with you that the image is lost at the fall. And my book is pushing against that in part because we see so clearly in Genesis 9 that humans still are the image of God, and that's the basis for ethical treatment of other people. So I don't see Genesis 5 as saying that, uh, that Adam's children are not the image of God. I see it presenting us with further definition of what it means to be the image of God, that just as Seth is Adam's image, there's a family connection between them. So we have a family connection with God. If all we had was Genesis five, we might be able to conclude with you that that it's been lost. But I think Genesis nine uh, pulls me in a different direction.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting though. I think what what Pastor James said is very Pastor uh, Pastor James I Thank you again for your call. It was super. Again, hold on because we're going to give you a copy. producer. go on and give you a copy. Uh, of the book, and it's uh, being God's image, why creation still matters. Uh, Again, I think that is kind of a a distinction point that people would wonder and be concerned for clarity, Mm -hmm. is then what is Mm -hmm. our state as not being a follower of Jesus, but being in God's image? What does that mean? So a non-Christian, a non, you know, the the most vile person for that matter, not just a wonderful Mm -hmm. non-Christian, the most vile person still is in God's image. Why does that matter? We've got about a minute left.
1: Yeah. So every person is still worthy of being treated with dignity, still possesses basic human rights that are related to that dignity, that God-given dignity. And yet, until we are rightly related to God and we're living into what he says is true about us, we're never going to fully experience all we were meant to experience as a human. We're, we're nev- we can never fully flourish outside of accepting what god says is true about us and so i think that's at the heart of this is learning that we're not the boss that god is the boss and that we can find true flourishing only in rightly relating to him
0: fascinating. And what a great conversation we've had today. And Carmen, thank you. First of all, thanks. We have amazing callers and thank you for those who called in today as well. Carmen, I look forward to seeing you move in like the movers yes. are getting packed and we're going to be there soon. And looking forward Excellent. to being in SoCal with our great team there at the Talbot School of Theology. We love, I, this yeah. Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. We love higher education, Christian higher education at Moody Bible Institute as well. So looking forward to serving alongside there with you. Uh, as well. Let me thank our team as well here for the great work that they have done. My producer, Karen Hendren, our engineer, Courtney Young. And today, I think Lynn was on the phone, but there's a whole team doing great work training us, uh, training today. We've got a great team always coming out of Moody Bottle Institute and other places as well. I want to remind you to listen every week at this time. And as always, make sure you take the time to download this as a podcast. Go to edsetterlive.com. You'll find more information there. Remember, Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute, and we're thankful that you take the time to listen this and every Saturday. Thanks.